Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning, may we recognize that you are Almighty God and you have a perfect plan for our life. Lord, help us to understand when there are times that you say no or you say wait. And help us to be humbly serving you no matter your response in our lives and to things we desire. Lord, help us to learn, not just to gain knowledge, but to apply in our lives uh, to be more like Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 130, as we've been singing about this morning, it talks about waiting. And we have a video that's going to remind us the importance of waiting on God. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can reverently serve you. Have you ever had a dream that was shut down? Maybe, maybe God was leading you to uh, go on the mission field, to be a missionary, but for some reason you were rejected. Maybe you wanted to start a ministry, but it failed miserably. It never got off the ground. Maybe you were led to start a business that would allow you to... Uh, to use that to glorify God in various ways, but it never came to fruition. And whatever it is that you felt that you wanted to start or join, it didn't happen. And you were left wondering why. You wondered why, as God, I, I wanted to do this for you, and I, I felt a passion and a desire, but it, it's not working out, or it didn't work out. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, David felt led to lead a project that would honor God in building the temple. But God said, no. And as we look at David's request and God's response, I believe it can be a help to us in understanding what happens when God tells us no or maybe God tells us wait. And so let's look at that this morning in 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning with David's request. The first few verses of 2 Samuel 7 say this, 
Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Things were going well for David. He was living in a beautiful palace and there were no problems Things were going well. We see there in, in verse 1, it says that God had given him rest from all his enemies all around. Using that term all twice as a reminder of how well things were going. It would have been so easy for David to coast and enjoy life saying, you know, things are going pretty well. I'm just going to sort of sit back and enjoy the moment. But David didn't want to sit back. He wanted to continue to serve and honor God with his life. We talk about retirement. And retirement is a, a good thing. But we never retire from serving. And we should never get to a point in our life or a point in, in anything that we do where we just say, okay, I'm done. I'm just going to kick back and, and watch everyone else. What we do may change. But we should never retire from serving. And so we see David was, was driven what more could he do to honor God? And then he thought about his beautiful palace and the tent that housed the Ark of the Covenant. If you were here last week, you remember as they brought the Ark of the Covenant in chapter 6, they, they brought it to Jerusalem and the incredible thing that took place there in David, David with that pure heart desire to, to bring the Ark. Now he initially did it the wrong way, and we saw some tragic consequences to that foolish choice. But then he, he had the right heart, but then he got the right action, and they brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem to be the center of worship as they praised and worshiped God. But now as time is going on and his, his kingdom is doing well, his reign is, is going very well, he thinks... He said, you know, I live in a beautiful house, but what is there to house the Ark of the Covenant? Now, if you remember from last week and going back to the, to the Jews wandering through the wilderness as they built the Ark of the Covenant, and it was meant to be in a tent as they traveled through the wilderness to the promised land. But David was thinking, is there a place that we can build a temple that we can build for the Ark of the Covenant and for our central place of worship to God. Now we notice that, that he felt led and to, to build this temple and his request was a humble request. In verse 2 it says, The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the Ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. He wanted the focus to be on God. This was not about drawing attention to David. It was focusing the people upon God. So it was a humble request. It was also a godly request. 
If you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 6, and in 2 Chronicles we see Solomon has now become king, and in chapter 6 it's the dedication of this temple that David was not allowed to build, but his son Solomon was. And we see Solomon sharing in this dedication speech to the temple, or of the temple. It says this in 2 Chronicles 6, verses 7 through 9. It says, Now it was in the heart of my father David... Solomon, David's son, so my heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Notice that. Nevertheless, you shall not build a temple, but your son who will come from your body, he shall build a temple for my name. God was going to say no to David. But we see here as Solomon reflects, he reminds the people and reminds us that David's desire was a godly desire. God said to David, you did well that it was in your heart. God said, David, your your desire is a good desire. But we come to God's answer. God's answer was that he said no. So when Nathan told, or when David told Nathan his plan, Nathan's first response was, go for it. We read that in verse 3. David in verse 2 says, it's not right that I live in a beautiful house, but God's ark is in a tent. So I want to build a, a special place, a temple for the ark of God, place of worship. And Nathan in verse 3 said, go for it. What a great idea. Now, we can't know for sure, but, but it's very interesting about Nathan's response. Was Nathan's response sin in saying go for it? Because if we'll read in the next few verses, that God said, uh, no, Nathan, whoa, slow down the horses. I don't want David to build me a temple. Now, Nathan should have gone to God. Absolutely. And uh, maybe someone comes to you and they, they're coming to you for counsel about uh, something they're considering doing, whatever the situation may be. As a godly counselor, your first response is, all right, I will join you in praying about this, seeking God's wisdom in this. But there's another part of it, and again, I I don't want to minimize the fact that Nathan should have gone to God first, but there's another part of this that I think it's important to recognize. Nathan encouraged David's desire to honor God, his desire to dream. I think many times we discourage people from stepping out and serving. And yes, we need to see if if it's part of God's will. Absolutely. But we can quench their desire to step out. I remember hearing a story of a of a a person, a young man who was a new follower of Jesus Christ and and hearing his story, how how he had a big thing he wanted to do for God. 
and he was sharing it with some of the wiser, more mature Christ followers. And they said, no, that's crazy. And he never did it. I think oftentimes we can be dream killers. And I want to give Nathan credit in that he wanted to walk with David in David's desire to honor God. And, and I, there's, there's two different groups of people. There's the pessimist. And, and oftentimes, if, if I have something that I know is a big step, and I know these people that are pessimists, you know, they're going to they're gonna find 27 reasons why it'll fail. And I mean, I won't even get the end of what I'm thinking about out before they're coming up with their list. And oftentimes we can say, well, yeah, they just, I mean, the, the glass is half empty every time with that person. And, and uh, so I'm not going to ask them. <laughs> but one of the ones that can really get us is the realist. And their answer usually starts out like this. Well, that's an amazing idea. Or your heart, that's a great, I appreciate your heart. And then what's the next word? But... And, and there may be times that we do need to say, whoa, you need to think through this, and let's go to God about this. Obviously, we need to do that. But then we come up with all these reasons why it won't work. Not, not as much in your face like the pessimist. But still, uh, no. I don't think you can do that. And so I want to give Nathan some credit. Now, he had to backtrack in the next few verses. But Nathan was trying to encourage David with his passion, with his dream. But after Nathan gave the okay to David's dream, God revealed to Nathan that God had a different plan. In 1 Chronicles 17, verses 3 and 4, and as we talked about last week, 1 Chronicles is, is parallels 1 and 2 Samuel. And so in 1 Chronicles 17, it's a, a parallel passage to this plea or requ request by David to build the temple. And so in 1 Chronicles 17, verses 3 and 4, it says this, But it happened that night... After Nathan just said, David, that's great, go for it. It happened that night that the word of God came to Nathan saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, You shall not build me, me a house to dwell in. So that night, I'm sure David was already going through plans. He may have stayed up late, drawn out on a napkin plans for what this temple was going to look like. He was excited. And that night, David, went, or David and Nathan went to bed. Nathan went to bed, and God said, uh, Nathan, no, you need to tell David that I don't want him to build the temple. My answer is no. Now, a couple things about this. And one big thing, it doesn't indicate that God immediately gave a reason for his answer. His answer was no, not even wait, it was no. But God did not immediately give an, a reason for his answer. 
It was at a later time that, that we read that God revealed to David his reason for not having him build a temple. And God's plan that Solomon take on the project. Now, it, it doesn't refer to it, but we don't hear about it until 1 Chronicles 22, 6-8, a little while later. And David is talking to his son Solomon and preparing him to be the next king. And in 1 Chronicles 22, 6-8, it says, Then he, David, called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name, because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Now again, we need to be careful. We don't know exactly when God revealed to David the reason why. But it sure doesn't seem like it was right when he said no. It indicates it was later. And however that fits out, there are times in our lives when God shuts a door and we don't know why. That makes it even harder. If you're younger, this may be easier for you to remember than those of us who are getting a little older when we lived in the house that our parents led. You remember those times when you had a question that you wanted wanted to do something and your parents said no? And sometimes they gave a reason, but sometimes they didn't. And now, you may have even been questioning whether your parents knew anything at the time. But, what you were asking, you you felt it was not a bad thing. But they said no. And then you said, why? And they either said, they said something similar to this, because I'm your parent, or because I said so. Now, parents, it's great to share reasons why. <laughs> but when there's an authority in your life, they're not always going to share why. But yet we need to respond in a godly way. And by the way, we, we like to pick on teenagers, and we all were at one time, and we have struggled with that. But we face that as adults. An authority in our life tells us to do something or not to do something. And we think, or either they don't give a reason, or we don't think it's a good reason, but how do we respond? It's an authority that God's placed in our life. And we need to recognize that that authority is there. How do we respond when no reason is given? Let's look at David's response. David had a choice when he heard God's answer. Fortunately, David responded well. 
How do we respond to the ultimate authority of God? How do we respond to human authorities that God's placed in our life? And in this situation, it was obviously the ultimate authority that David was responding to. And David recognized that God's plan was perfect. But how was he going to respond when his dream was dashed? Well, notice a couple things that David did that can help us this morning. First of all, David reflected on God's blessings. In 2 Samuel 7, verses 7 through 8, God had just sent Nathan to tell David, no, you're not going to build the temple. I'm going to have that. That's not going to be your job. In verses 7 through 8, as this discussion is going on between Nathan and David, and Nathan is sharing God's word for David, it says this, God speaking to Nathan, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. God reminded David of where he had been and what God had done in bringing David to the place where he was. God reminded David of his hand with David throughout his life. And then in verse 18, and we're not going to read it, but, but in verse 18 there's a very fascinating phrase. You know, David and Nathan were talking after God revealed to Nathan, and then Nathan shared with David that it wasn't going to be David's job to build a temple. And in verse 18 it says that David went and sat before the Lord. Fascinating. What did he do? He went and he just spent some time in the presence of God. And during that, an opportunity to reflect. To reflect upon all that God had done for him. And the many opportunities that God had given him to serve and to grow And what happens when when maybe it's circumstances or maybe it's a passion that seems to get shut down and, and we wonder why? We need to stop and say, God, I may not understand this, but I know you are there, I know you are faithful, and I praise you for all you have done, and I am confident in all the things that you will do in my life. And that's the first thing that David did. He recognized that God had a different plan, that God had a perfect plan. But we see that David didn't stop there. He continued to find ways to serve and to follow God. David determined to help Solomon build the temple. In 1 Chronicles 29, and again, 1 and 2 Chronicles paralleling 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings. And in 1st Chronicles 29, David is basically handing the reins of the kingdom over to his son Solomon, who will be the next king. And so in that, he's giving a speech to Solomon and the people. And in that, he reflects on, on how he was able to help Solomon prepare for the task that God had given Solomon to build the temple. Notice what it says in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 2. 
It says, Now for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. What happened? David had recognized the enormous task that God had given to Solomon, not to David. And David, instead of sitting off on the side and saying, I should have built the temple, should have been David's temple, not Solomon's temple. Instead of doing that, he did everything he could to prepare Solomon to succeed in that incredible task. And uh, it's interesting. I, I enjoy reading books on leadership, and one of my favorite authors is a guy named John Maxwell who... Uh, writes a lot on leadership, talking about one of the best things that a leader can do is prepare the next person in line, line to succeed. David recognized that God had given Solomon that task to build the temple, even though David desperately wanted to do it himself. And he said, I can't do it because God said no, but I'm going to help Solomon. It's interesting in verse 1 of 1 Chronicles 29, and it's not on the screen, but just listen to, uh, to what David says as he begins his speech. Uh, or about this aspect of the speech, I should say. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen is young and inexperienced, and the work is great because the temple is not for man but the Lord God. A couple of things in that verse. He said God has chosen Solomon for the task. And Solomon is young and inexperienced, and the project is enormous. And then he goes on and begins in verse 2 and shares some of the things that God had allowed him to do to prepare Solomon to succeed. And in that, we see that once again, David demonstrated that he was a man after God's own heart. And we've been talking about this throughout this series on David. Obviously, we see lots of warts in David's life, sins that he committed, times that he had failed. And we will continue to see those throughout his life. But yet... God called him a man after his own heart. Why did he have that nickname from God? Well, David at times like this demonstrated why he was a man after God's own heart. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 22, the Apostle Paul is sharing some about the history of Israel. And in verse 22, he's talking about King Saul and how God took the kingdom from Saul and gave it to David. And this is what he says in Acts 13, 22. He says, and when he, God, had removed him, had removed Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And that's one of the times we see that phrase given as a description of David. But it doesn't stop there in Acts, 20, Acts 13, 22. It says, a man after my own heart, 
who will do all my will. Why was David a man after God's own heart? Because he desired to do the will of God. And there were many times in David's life when God said yes, and the blessings and the incredible accomplishments were obvious. But at those times, it's easier to be like, yeah. (laughs) But what about those times that God says no, or God says wait? As the psalmist says, I will wait for you. Are we able to respond correctly when God says no, or God says wait? David's request was humble and godly. But yet God had another plan. And David demonstrated he was a man after God's own heart. Because when God said no, David said, all right, what else can I do? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love your amazing love in our lives as well as we see your amazing life throughout, love throughout the life of David. Lord, help us when God says yes to accomplish the task that he's called us to do, but Lord, also when God says no, to trust him and to continue to serve. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.